Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by GunStreetWiringShop.com. Oh yeah, boy. They make all kinds of wiring harnesses for all kinds of guitars. Uh, if you have special needs or you have questions, you hit them up and they will help you out and help you understand exactly what you need. I know that because I did it. Yeah, have uh, you installed your wiring harness yet? No, because we recorded this episode, same session as last episode, Steve. You know that I haven't had time to install <laughs> it yet, but I will get it in my SG very soon. I've got a crispy new wiring harness from my SG from them that has some really fun options. It's got an out of phase uh, coil. Uh, no, it's got an out-of-phase uh, uh, push-pull switch for my bridge pickup. Really excited to try that out and explore new sounds and also solve some issues that I have with the tone controls on my SG. They just dump all the tone in the last like 2% of the, of the pot. So I'm excited to have actual usable pots on my SG in, here in the near future. I heard tone is in the fingers. Well, in this case, it's inside the control cavity of my SG, where the uh, new wiring harness will soon be. All right. This episode is also brought to you by Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. Uh, did you know every Tuesday they have a Tech Flex special? I did know that, Steve. Why do you keep telling Seriously, me that? Like, like a 10 or 12 or 15 foot uh, cable that is pre-selected for color and clarity. They make a cable, they put it online, they say, if you want this, you buy it, here's a special price, because it's already made, and we made it so pretty that you're gonna want it. It's a great way to collect the whole Sinusoid collection. Uh, lock them up in uh, your, your cable protecting box in the middle of your living room where you keep all your cables displayed, and be like, look at how much of the Sinusoid collection I've got. I've got the, uh, the red one, I've got the pink one, I've got the special red, white, and blue one, I've got the striped 60 cycle hum signature one. Like, you gotta get the whole collection. Is, it's there, like, is there a 60 cycle hum it's signature? It's like baseball one? cards. Well, it's not a 60 cycle hum one, it's more of like a Ryan Burke signature. Uh, which one cable. is that? It's the striped cable Steve. Oh, the one Come that I'm on. looking at right now. Yeah, the one that's oh, right here coming out of my microphone. I was thinking it was like an orange and white one. No, that's the, uh, that's the Albert. Signature model. No, I think just oranges. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. You don't have anything to add to that, huh, Steve? I think you covered all of the TechFlex options. Sinusoid cables. They make cables. And other things. They make, they make smiles, Steve. You're supposed to say smiles. They also make you think there's a snake behind you. This episode is also brought to you by Walrus Audio, makers of the Luminary Version 2. It's a quad octave generator. You can blend four different octaves together with your uh, original signal, which really, in my mind, means that there's five octaves. Yeah. What do you think about that hot take, Steve? It's a five-octave blender. Well, I you mean... You got a double high. Hold on. They can, they're not all octaves. Something has to be zero. You can't be an octave of yourself. So yes, you are playing notes on five different octaves, but... Okay, I'll take that. You're playing notes on five different octaves. But that's like if saying... Uh, yeah, sure, because if, if you're playing an octave, using an octave... Elton all, John can't do that. Unless he plays with his nose. Or his dick. <laughs> Go check out our demo of the Walrus Audio Luminary Version 2. The only demo that may or may not be featuring Ellen John that's lit by candles. That's right. I lit the pedal with like two tall candles that were next to the pedal. That's he didn't light so... the candle. He lit the room around the candle. Well, the candle was illuminated. Yeah, yeah. The, no, the, the, the pedal was illuminated by candles. Everything yes. else in the room was dark. Okay. And it's a, it's a cool look, and I'm proud of it. So go check out the demo. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing... Podcast. I think that's the best job you've done in a really long time, Steve. Thanks. That was a solid delivery. I think we're just going to copy paste that for all the other episodes I've, from now on. I said like three years ago. No, that was that my, you should just copy that was paste these. My idea just now, and you know it. <laughs> I was like, why do I have to say this every time? Just let me get one good take and then copy paste it. And you were like, no, man, it's cooler if you do it every time. Like, there's variety, and then like. 
doesn't make us sound like a bunch of corporate shills or whatever. Those are good point, points, Bro. Steve. I'm glad you came up with those good points to combat my original idea of recording the intro. All right. Uh, anything new with you, Steve? No, nah, dude. What's up with you? What's in, what's news in the hood? What's news in the hood? Mira Mesa. <laughs> Don't tell people what town I live in. They're going to track me down at the local Chipotle. <laughs> The, the old Chipotle. The Chipotle. Uh, I sold all my Chipotle stock a while back and just took a loss. Oh, really? It never recovered? <laughs> it never recovered. I lost a bunch of money on Chipotle. But don't worry. I made all my money back with Netflix. Is that real? That's real. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to stop doing stocks. They're probably making all their money off all of together. Shooting up on Lost in, lost in Space right Oh, now. man. I binged that so hard. I know you've seen a couple episodes. I really yeah. liked it. This well, is very off topic, I yeah, know, yeah. but I really liked the new Lost in Space. I'm a fan of the original Lost in Space. How did you feel about the movie from the 90s? I actually liked the movie from the 90s. I was talking to someone on the Greatest Generation Facebook group. And I was like, you know what? Lost in Space consistently mm-hmm. has had fully enjoyable versions of their franchise. You've got the original, which is very campy. Right. In its 60s sort of way. It's very appropriate for its time. Mm-hmm. The 90s movie remake actually holds up. If you go back and watch it, it holds up as a movie. Yeah, the CG hasn't aged well. Right. But CG from two years ago hasn't aged well. Yeah. But as a movie, it's still entertaining. It's a bunch of fun. Like, it's totally on the level as any, like, big popcorn movie that comes out now. Like, it's great. And then this new uh, series on Netflix is, I think it's fantastic. And I really like the, what they've done with the characters. They've kept a lot of original kind of like mood. Right. And a lot of like the uh, the personality of the characters, but changed the way they act because they act like, you know, people from our modern time. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like the technology aspects of the show. But Ryan, in the first episode, the computer says 3,000 feet when the screen clearly says 3,000 meters. That's because the computer knows who it's talking to. It's talking to Americans. But and then it should say 9,000 feet. It's oh, okay. So it messed up the, the number too. That's what I'm saying. The screen says, oh, three, okay. the screen says 3,000 and the units is meters, but the computer is well, saying Well, that's just feet. an actor's mistake then. Who cares? Oh. <laughs> you care is who cares. But The uh, scientific community is outraged. There's a lot of fun like logistics porn in it. Just like, oh, we got to move this thing from here to there. Oh, we have to save ourselves this way. Oh, right. what are we going to do? Like, it's a fun science fiction-y sort of mm-hmm. thing with actual like science fiction content, not just like interpersonal drama, which it does have. Is this your new thing for this episode that you binge watched Lost in Space? No, I just started Because I could talk it. about how I'm in like my fourth watch of The Office, but oh, I don't think gosh. anybody cares. Good point. No one cares. All right. Uh, new thing for me. I've been exploring a new camera and recording gear. As you can see, Steve's wearing headphones right now. We're talking into different mics. Uh, I'm recording this episode with a GoPro. Uh, the GoPro failed on us last episode. Hopefully it works this time. Uh, it had some sort of issue where it timed out and just turned off and didn't save the recording. It was like, peace, bro. But the good news is I was running a much cheaper action camera that I bought to compare to the expensive GoPro, and that thing kept running the whole episode. (laughs) And I checked, and the files are there. So last episode is covered. This episode will hopefully be covered. Uh, I prefer the the, uh, video quality of the GoPro, so I'm hoping it records a whole episode because that's... It it, It just stopped. Why did it just stop? And now it says two, and it's not recording. Okay, I started it recording again. Again, manually with my phone controller. There's some sort of auto turnoff situation happening here with the GoPro. But that was only at like eight minutes and fifty two seconds. Yeah, that's obnoxious. I have no idea what's going on. Well, maybe because we were saying GoPro a bunch and it's got the voice control on. Let's not talk about it anymore. Do you think that's what happened? (laughs) It might be. (laughs) Oh, because you said, Oh, my GoPro stopped. No. Don't do it. Don't do it. It probably only recognizes your voice. No, it doesn't have any voice calibration. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. You just have to know the commands. All right, let's move on into the rest of the episode. Uh, first ad? Yeah, this first ad was sent by Zach Wright. It's for a 64 Jazzmaster. That is it's up not on. for a 64 Jazzmaster. It's for a gosh dang tragedy. 
It's what it is. No, it's for offender. Nineteen sixty-three. It's for a gosh dang crime, Steve. Is it a crime? It's a crime. All right. Did a crime go? I thought I heard a crime go. That's a joke from another podcast. Yeah, I don't know what joke. Very few people will get. I thought I heard a crime go. what, is it, what podcast is that from? I'm not even going to say at this point. I'm just going to leave it out there. All right. Uh, he says, I have to call this uh, this out as a vintage guitar lover. This makes me sick. This guy bought a Mint 64 Jazzmaster last year and now has destroyed it to sell for parts. This is shameful to do. Destroying history for profit is not okay. At one point, does a guitar become history? I don't know. I, I think 63 Jazzmaster's pretty close oh i'm saying that's squarely into guitar history um but i'm saying what like what's the cutoff date for parting out a guitar that isn't history because you can part out an 80s guitar and i don't feel like that's history depending on the guitar i think it i think it really comes down to a sense of i think you have to have a sense of history well i I think the issue here is is it greater than the sum of its parts well, you know, that's one of the things I think is kind of interesting here is you think you look at it and this guy's selling the body for like 3K yeah. the neck for a little, you know, 3K. I'm not talking about the dollar value. I'm talking about the intrinsic no, value. No, but I'm saying like, sure, from intrinsic value, I think it just depends on if it has, I think it, it whether or not it's histor- historic is completely up to perspective. And I, I realize like, I almost feel like, what saying like, well, you'll know it's historic because it'll just be historic. Um, but what I mean by that is, is, you know, like you said, like if you part something out from the eighties, it's like whatever. But at the same time, like I have a, my, uh, eighties Fender Japanese, uh, is a Fender contemporary standard Stratocaster. Uh huh. So it does not have the original locking, uh, string trees or the original tremolo on it vibrato whatever i think you mean tromolo tromolo right (laughs) my original trollolo yeah you're trollolo um it doesn't have those parts and uh probably at the time the person who took all that stuff off was just like oh i want a vintage style trim whatever it's cool but like now from the point you know 30 years later i'm like man i wish i had all that original weird 80s stuff yeah yeah that's true i mean there's something to be said for Having a guitar that has all its parts. Yeah, but then, the, the but, flip the flip side of that is if you bought like an. But then you could like buy a, those parts from Gary's Gear Outlet, who's selling this stuff. Right. Well, <laughs> well, sure. And and the flip side of that is, is if it was just like a 1987 Fender American Standard or whatever year they started making that guitar, 87, 88, somewhere around there, 89 mm-hmm. maybe, they made that guitar exactly the same for 20 years. Right. So who cares? Right. Right. Now, once you get back to a certain point, yeah, there's, there's, there's kind of, I don't, I, you couldn't make the same argument for like a 70s strat. I think you could make the argument for like an 80s, like a da- early 80s Dan Smith Stratocaster. So if somebody took like the, you know, are you familiar with the model called the strat? Right. Or like an early 80s American elite Stratocaster, if you parted that out, I think you'd get some like, some side eye and some like some uh, cock, sure, sure. cock eyed, some crooked. Do you think this is this head? ad is defendable from the direction that someone could use these parts to complete the originality of another uh, a, a sixty four Jazzmaster that they have? Sure, I mean that's probably the market that this guy's going for, but you know I think the outrage here is coming from the assumption that this guy bought this guitar in minty, minty, fresh condition, either with the intention of flipping it, of flipping the parts, trying to flip parts or just under the mentality of like, Oh, I'm going like, or he got to a point where he's like, Oh, I need to make some money. I'm going to do this thing. Well, what's the value of, cause he's not including the pickups. Right, so or the pick guard. So the question, in turn, could be like, I wonder if he already had a '63 Jazzmaster, that '64 or '64 Jazzmaster. Get your year right. Well, please. the part we are supposed to be guitar experts. Well, and you just here's, a, on the, here's year. the thing: is we like, should be shut up. Should be picking this part based on the 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 month and week. 
Well, we don't have made. access to that information. I'm just joking. I don't um, care. The, the ads all say 63. The right. caption says 64. That's 64. true. That is true. So Good um, point. The, but my bigger, my bigger point here being that, um, you know, maybe he took the parts that he needed to restore a guitar that he had. Or maybe he literally bought this and it didn't have the pick guard or pickups. Like well, this is all it came with. Well, I think, right. So and I, he, and I guess he, maybe his mentality was like, oh, I'm going to buy this. I got a good deal on it. I'm going to track down pick guard and pickups. And then he was just one day like, meh, I'm not going to find them. I don't want to do the work. I'm just going to sell the parts. Right. I don't know. The, the more I think, when I first saw this ad, I, I was offended by the thought of taking apart a 64 Jazzmaster. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, meh. It's not like someone is going to buy that 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 Jazzmaster neck for mm-hmm. $2,600 and slap it onto you know, some crappy body. Like people who are going to be spending that money and buying this you know, vintage of, of guitar part is going to be using it to complete so the, like a legitimate only, project. At this point, it looks like potentially the, tune, the tuner sold because I can't find them on Reverb. Yeah. Um, 350 bucks for tuners, man. I know that they're the originals, but I feel like I would not make that the uh, the thing that I'd be obsessed over. He says that he's also on the body, including the shielding and um, strap buttons as well. Right. That makes it So he's not going to strip desirable. the shielding out of the body <laughs> before he sells it to you. <laughs> That's very kind of him. Well, I think the shielding is actually like a some kind of drop-in because it's not oh, in the, is it? it's not in the picture i thought it was kind of coppery looking in the well, picture so that's what oh yeah weird it is a drop-in plate that's bizarre i've never seen that before um steve just showed me on but yeah phone. there's not really any discussion on here about how he came across this just that it's an original unmolested Jazzmaster body with original finish well now he's gone and molested it hasn't vibrant it? and bright and those are the only two things listed on his store. So, you know, there's no other point of reference to like, maybe he, maybe the pickup and pickguard were the first thing sold before somebody found it and started sure. sharing it around. Or maybe he had an even better Jazzmaster that he wanted to put those pickups and pickguard onto. And this is the result of him tracking down parts and spending a lot of money to do it. Yeah. He's got to sell off a guitar that he bought. I, Anyways, you know, I, so so you think like okay, say you bought a intact, you know, sixty three whatever from Fender. You you're like just like ah yeah sure like whatever just part it out. What do you think if he actually if is I like, spent that kind of money, I wouldn't be like oh yeah just whatever let's part it out. I I'll say that right now. Well, what what would you say like okay, say you bought it for I don't know uh, eight thousand dollars. Like some vintage guitar, and you were like, "Oh, eight thousand dollars," and you get it, and you start looking at it, and you realize, like, okay, say so, say it's Fender, so say it's like some something about it's weird. I don't know, like maybe you know, it, the guy who sold it to you thought it was like a '66, so it was like a little less, but turns out it's like a '64, so it's worth more. I don't, I don't know if that's a thing, right? But it's, let's pretend it's a thing. And so you're like, oh man, these are all 64 parts, not 66. This thing's worth like $20,000, not $8,000, but you know, it's only worth that in parts. I don't know. That seems weird. Yeah. I don't know. So in some some situation where like you could get say instead of getting, you know, $10,000, you could get $12,000 if you sold parts instead of selling the whole thing. Sure. Like is that a thing you think you would be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this? Or would you just be like, oh, I'm just going to be happy with a $2,000 profit instead of a $4,000 profit? Man, if I could make a $4,000 profit, I'd probably go for the $4,000 yeah, profit. But, so it's like, you know, hist- historical significance of the instrument be damned. You're going to you're gonna make that extra two grand. Yeah. I mean, I can have a lot of fun with two grand. I can pay a lot of bills. That's, you know... Part of a mortgage payment or something right there. Right. You so, know? so I guess, you know, so that down payment on a car. That's uh, kind of like blends into our first topic. Yeah, it is, does. Uh, well, that's how we planned this episode, Steve, is the first ad rolling into the first yeah, topic. Okay. Remember when we discussed that and we agreed upon it? 
Anyway, so this question, <laughs> that ad was sent by uh, Zach. Well, it was posted by Zach, right? Um, this was then kind of like this question was brought up separately by Evelyn Sanders, who asked, ethical flipping, should you sell a guitar to someone uh, for more than it's worth if they don't know what they're buying? Um, I think... I mean, this, is, this scenario here really is the de- like the determining factor. Like, is this a cartoony back room, like back alley deal where you see some kid with a lollipop coming down the street like, hey, kid, want to buy a Stratocaster? This is what Jimi Hendrix played. And you, you, you sell them, you know, a 90s Squire bullet for $600 because you convince right. them it's what Hendrix played. Right. Or is it like you list something on Reverb or eBay or Craigslist with a high price thinking that, you know, someone's going to haggle with you and then the person just buys it and you make assumptions about what they know or don't know. You know, like it's, it's easy to get caught up in like the theatrics of this, but like what, what is actually happening? Yeah. I think if you're just straight up misrepresenting something, then that's obviously not ethical. That's not ethical. Because That's called lying. I think every, you know, everything that I, and we've talked about this before, like everything that I put up on Reverb or on Craigslist, I overprice. Unless I'm like in a feel like I'm in a real hurry to sell, right? Like, oh, grab me something. Uh, otherwise, like, and, and my take on it, especially if it's like Reverb or Craigslist, uh, my take on it is, you know what? Um, it's your job to do the work to to decide on your behalf what you're willing to pay right so if i list a mexican strap for 450 and you buy it at 450 like hey as long as you're happy with the transaction the shipping is what's going to kill you on that well i'm saying like even if i put up on craigslist right 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 so you know to go along with that like i think if you were to say like if you know, it says, uh, you know, should you sell something to someone for more than it's worth if they don't know what they're buying? I just don't think that there's really an excuse anymore to not know what you're buying. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've been trying to sell this uh, Celestian Blue speaker for a long time now. I get bites every now and then. And a guy who was talking to me about it seriously, and he was like, is it 16 ohms? And I was like, yeah, it's 16 ohms. Like, I legitimately thought it was 16 ohms. And then he was like, okay, I'm going to come get it today. And I was sitting there thinking like, I should test it. This guy cares about this. Doesn't specifics. it say on the back? It doesn't. It's not marked, oh. which is an annoying feature of the Celestian Blue. So then I tested <laughs> it and it was 8 ohm. And I was like, oh, shoot. I'm about to screw up this deal. I'm not going to sell it. But I'm also probably saving this guy's rig by right. telling him. So I wrote them really quickly. I was like, I'm sorry. I just tested it. You were right. It's 8 ohm. Um, I'm, I'm really sorry. He's like, ah, oh, bummer. I, I can't use that. So I still haven't sold it, but now I have it listed correctly. Like there, to a certain extent, it is on the buyer to ask questions yeah. and to be informed on what they are and are Yeah, not and it's on the seller to, to represent the instrument you know, accurately. As best as they can, and obviously. And in terms of the ad and in terms of everything else. So that I agree with. Um, I When I listed my radiator, I listed it for... $150 more than I paid for or than I than it than it was would have been new in store $100 more than I paid for it including shipping mm-hmm. and that was all with the idea like well if, if I can even like break even on this like so if I took a $100 hit on my listing I could still break even right right if I took a $50 hit everyone would feel great great about it and I would still make 50 bucks I mean really the correct price for anything is what someone will pay yeah like you know, outside of people being dishonest, that's that's just what it comes down to. I mean, it's, it makes us sound like shrewd, awful, like terrible, take advantage of yeah, people's sort, I, of, I sort think, of situation. But like, you know, it's the rules of acquisition. <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, I think the one place we'd be bad Ferengis if we didn't, you know, like try to cut a profit. I think the one place deal. where I would say that, like, uh, I would feel kind of like iffy about it is if you are if it's so if you're selling to somebody who like you don't who who is open to the fact that they don't know anything 
And so I guess really I'm speaking. Sure. I'm speaking if you can, if you can sense that someone is green and you, well, that's like the fictional like scenario I came up with in the beginning. It's like, if you, if you sense that someone is green and impressionable and doesn't know anything and you take advantage of that, yeah, that sucks. I would also say like, if you're just taking advantage of someone who is trusting you because like, a, because they're like a personal like the uh, personal friend of yours. Oh yeah. So like you ever do you know, like business if, so- with someone who like, Oh, I'll go to this person. They do the sort of thing that I need to hire someone for. And maybe they'll give me a friend rate. Right. The GoPro just quit again. What is it doing? <laughs> All right. File three There's going to be an interesting edit to, to deal with. Uh, but like you, you go to someone that you know, and you think like, oh, we'll get a little bit of friend rate. It helps them out because they're getting, you know, work. Right. And then like you realize, oh, they're not giving me a friend rate at all. Like they're charging me the full amount. Right. Uh, no, that doesn't ever happen to me. You get the friend rate every time? No, I just Just don't, don't hire uh, people? I, don't, I just never hire my friends. <laughs> it's probably a smart thing to do, honestly. Uh, well, think <laughs> okay, think about who my friends are that like operate their own business scenarios um i don't need any graphic design work uh i don't Come need on, Steve. I don't, let me make you a logo i don't need any videography work uh i do still get friend discounts on my haircuts um and that's it those are the only things i use so yeah steve is a man of simple needs <laughs> he doesn't need video he doesn't need design but he does need a haircut <laughs> i do need a haircut <laughs> Um, do you have so anything you, else add, to add to this? I, you know, I think we can kind of, so the, anyway, the scenario I was trying to go with is, is have if you ever like, been swindled? I don't, you ever feel like you've been swindled in a deal? Uh, like a guitar deal. I felt, I think when that Fendler showed up broken, I, I was pretty sad about it. Yeah. Um, was I mean, that a swindle though? Unless he knew it was broken. I think it was a bad ship. I, he yeah. knew, I knew it wasn't working. I thought it was a bad ship. Um, honestly, like, but it was also like 150 bucks, which isn't cheap, but it's also, I just didn't, I just didn't feel, I don't remember what was going on in my life at the time, but I was like, I just can't, this is too much. Like, this is going to cause me more mental stress right? to try to chase this. So, uh, two years later, here we are. <laughs> two years has been a, I don't know. I don't know how around. long it's been. We're staring at it across the garage right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, um, I don't I can't think of any other situations where I felt like I got uh, a raw deal. Even with that radiator, like even though I get a I, raw I made, deal every time I get sushi. Huh? Huh? How about that joke? <laughs> Well, you just raised Phil's joke grade up to a solid A. That's a joke from a from a few weeks ago yeah. from another podcast. Yeah, from a whole other podcast that we're referencing. Um, so, uh, so even on that radiator, like I felt kind of like, oh, I'm trading this like radiator for a Fender 70s reissue. I was like, oh, like I'm definitely coming out ahead on this. And then I get the guitar and it's scalloped. I was like, oh. Maybe I'm not coming out ahead. <laughs> Have you taken that to Guitar Center yet? Nah. Well, you said there was like an issue with the volume knob, yeah. so I haven't. They're not gonna check that, dude. Just roll into Guitar Center with it, see what they'll say, and if they you don't like the number, walk out. If you do like the number, leave it. Yeah. yeah. And then you'll be swindling the man. I gotta figure out. I I gotta figure out if they're if I should take it in in a soft case or in that hard case. Oh yeah, good point. Um. I, maybe I should take it in with a soft case and just be like, well, I got a hard Here's case. Here's what you do. You take it in in the music area case, but then it's inside another case, inside oh that God. case. Oh so God. when you leave it, you unzip the music area case. And you're like, here you go. Case included. I don't think that's, <laughs> that's going to work. That seems Actively like a talking bad about idea. swindling Guitar Center. Seems like a bad idea. With like bait, baiting and switching right in front of them. Where they yeah. could say, no, that's not what we're doing. There was a guy who tried to sort of like accuse me of swindling him. Oh, yeah. On that Carvin MTS that I sold a few years ago, a couple years ago. I forgot you had on the an show. MTS. Yeah, for like two weeks. Um, and I uh, have an MTS? No. What did I have all those years back? Oh, you did. You had the head. Yeah. yeah oh, I, you had a combo? I had the combo. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so uh, I sold it. 
And then like two weeks later or like a week later or whatever, excuse me, the guy like uh, texts me and is like, uh, when you turn the volume all the way up, like something happens. I don't know. But it was like cutting out. And I was just like, I don't know, man. Because legitimately, like, I hadn't had any issues with yeah. it. Well, you never turned it up, I hope. Probably not. Not all the way up. Um, and honestly, like, if you're turning it all the way up, what are you doing? Jeez, Yeah, dude. I was just like, oh, it's maybe the tubes. Like, you should take it to a tech. Yeah, and who knows what that guy did in the two weeks since well, he that was, it. If fact, he's turning it up every day, then... It might have even been, like, way more than two weeks. It, it might have yeah. It might have been, like, for, like, a full month. I just remember looking at me and, like... Yeah, you're way... If this was the next day... Sure. Like, I'd be like, uh, okay, let's set something up maybe. But at that point, I was like, yeah, dude, your money's gone. <laughs> I spent it on, on hookers and crack already. No, you bought That's food true. for your children. That's true. I probably paid for tires for my car. <laughs> something stupid. <laughs> Something's necessity. Yeah, something stupid, not like hookers and crack. Whatever you said. Yeah, that is what I said. All right, uh, let's hit this next ad. I found this. This is my ad. I'm taking full credit for it. Ryan is insisting on taking credit for the, this stupid ad. Oh, you think it's stupid, huh? Well, I'm going to make you read this giant block of text for oh. calling me stupid. Hold on. I got stupid. You it. called the ad stupid. I, I <laughs> recognize <laughs> the difference, Steve. But the implication <laughs> is there. <laughs> Here, just read it from the iPad, man. Stubborn Steve got to use his own phone. Yep. Got all these screens around here. Screen, 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 screen. Camera, camera. A lot of technology oh around my gosh. Trio of original run of the Squire 51 guitars in all three of the colors available for the original run. Vintage, blonde, two-tone sunburst, and black. Black. All are in excellent to near mint condition. Not to be confused with the later Fender version, which was aka the Fender Pawn Shop series or the Vintage 51 that, you're, you, that you used to get at GC for $199.99. They no longer carry them. The original 51s were made by Squire and are the ones that are the most in demand. That's true. These typically go for $225 to $295 depending on the color, even though they were $99. Yeah. Uh, the Vintage Blonde version seem to be particularly hard to find. These guitars are favorites for modifications. Have a unique and interesting sound without mods. All three of my guitars have minimal wear, function properly, and are 100% original, except for strings. Uh, yeah. If you're not familiar with them, here's some information. Ooh. Here we go. Information time. The 51. Hold on. I need a drink. We're gearing up for information. It's about to get oh, good. Man. Remember when we used to, when I, not, I guess we, it was just me gearing up. Steve, now's your opportunity. You get to gear up again. I'm reading an ad. There's nothing to gear up about. <laughs> uh, this The 51 combines aspects of several of Fender's best-known instruments. The body and neck pickup resemble that of the Fender Stratocaster, while the single-ply pickguard in the control plate is borrowed from the original incarnation of the Fender Precision Bass. Uh, the neck and headstock design are reminiscent of a Fender Telecaster. Wouldn't that also just be reminiscent of an old Fender Precision Bass? I guess. Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, the 51 uses a humbucker in the bridge position and a Stratocaster-style single-coil pickup in the neck position. The bridge of the 51 is slightly narrower than most U.S.-made Fender guitars in order to line up better with the pull pieces of the humbucker, which are designed for the narrow string spacing of Gibson-style guitars. Why don't they just put a, a T-space or F-space humbucker in there? I don't know. Kids these days. Millennials. <laughs> Tide pods. Don't even get me started. Yeah. Snort. You ever snort a condom? Uh, have you ever seen me stop snorting condoms? It's pretty much like my main jam. <laughs> the fridge pickup has a coil split activated by pulling out the volume <laughs> control knob to switch between single coil and humbucker configurations. The second control knob, which normally would operate as a tone control on a Telecaster early precision base, this is a, is a three position pickup selector for choosing between the neck alone, combined neck humbucker, or humbucker alone. Right, six this is saddle a hardtails top loading bridge. I regret everything. The guitar features a basswood body. Uh, with a is it basswood or basswood? I think it's basswood. Hmm. Could be basswood. I've always heard heard that wood is pretty neutral response, though. So it's probably not bass. Yeah, it's probably bass. With a maple neck and fretboard, some are rare specimens of the neck. Uh, some rare specimens of the neck were constructed from two pieces with a maple fingerboard laminated to a maple mm. neck. Excuse me. Most were solid maple. Some specimens. These specimens. specimens. 
This guy has a huge boner for these guitars. Why is he even selling Showed them? So a significant amount of bird's eye figuring. The 51 was offered in three colors, two-tone sunburst. We already said this. Did he just copy paste the same thing three times? Because that's what it feels like so far. Like, this is really long, Steve. Hey, remember that one time you posted the same episode twice? Oh, you mean like like three days ago yeah. as of recording this? Uh, uh, more like this morning. Yeah. It just feels like three days ago because this ad is so long. It's been a long day. The blonde model has a cream yellow hue and typically a black pit guard. The sunburst and black models have a white pit guard. Thanks. Uh, I will not separate the guitars. I price the trio very low, so I'll, I will not consider any offers. Although they are currently protected in cases, the guitar will not be sold with any case or gig bag. I do not want any trades. I will not ship. Accept PayPal or have your courier pick it up. I will only respond to your email if you leave me your name and telephone number for me to call you. I will remove the ad when sold, so no need to ask if they're still available. I will, I'll be happy to show you the guitars and let you play them before buying. However, due to my work schedule, I will not be able to do this. Do so until this weekend. I'm willing to meet up in North San Diego County. Thank you. Man. How much is this guy asking? 600 Yeah, for all of them? He's in South Orange County. That is... So far away. That's like a 45-minute drive. It's awful. Yeah, 600 bucks, man. I don't know. Uh, I mean, mostly I wanted to pull this up just because... Because you want to make me read freaking forever? I want to make Steve read forever. Also, I feel like these guitars were the line in the sand that Squire crossed over saying, like, things are about to get interesting with us. Because before this, it was just, like, representations of strats and tellies that just were mostly kind of awful. I think I think more and than very that. like student level, and then they come out with this. And honestly, I don't remember liking the way they felt. I thought the frets were really super sharp on them, and I didn't feel like they were fun players when I picked up when I picked them up in stores. Yeah, but I recognize that they are very unique, and that they because of the price of them, they were literally like a hundred bucks, right? So so when I think when the first run happened. Uh, they, I want to say they started around 150 or 180. Yeah. Um, or maybe even 200. Like, cause they, the guy says that the current run is 200. It was like back then um, there were Squire bullets in guitar center that were like $89. Yeah. With but, like strap packs that were but, like 120. So when I said 99, that um, were like unplayable, they were like unplayable right. quality. And then this thing comes out that was actually, it was playable. Yeah. But the, the fret quality still was really sharp. Yeah. So, so like I, I, really think like I, like I said 150 180 somewhere in that ballpark but what happened is they were there and like some people bought them but they weren't like you know they weren't flying off the shelves sure and then when fender discontinued them guitar center dropped the price to 99 dollars. right and all of a sudden everyone who was like at 150 or whatever was like eh they were like oh at 100 bucks like i can chop this thing in half and who cares yeah. Uh, and these things started flying off the shelves and showing up on all, as like a modding platform for all this stuff. And they look cool. They do have a cool look. Oh, come Stop on, Stop fidgeting, Steve. That's my job. I need a, I need a cube. I need a spinner. Uh, here, play with a, a bottle opener. There you go. Um, do it under the this table. It's pretty noisy. Yeah. Um, so so that I think more than having awakening a consumer level saying like, Oh, Squire's not like completely trash. Um, I think it kind of like woke up fenders, like R and D center to kind of be like, huh, people really like these weird, like hybrid guitars. What else can we do? Which kind of, I think is what may have led to like the Fender modern player line. Yeah. And uh, the Fender, you know, they mentioned that the 51 is one of the guitars in the Pawn Shop series. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just, feel like they really tested the, things like that. Like they dipped their pinky in the water back during the time when this came out and have just been slowly wading into the pool, like getting crazier and crazier each year, like exploring the things that people have been doing on their own and like small builders have explored on their own. But now Fender's just doing it. You know, it's interesting. And I, I, I really do think that this was a line in the sand like this. I can't think of any other Squire guitar that came before this. that was so 
you know, like unique in this way. I mean, there you go back in the eighties and there was like the katana and stuff like that, but that's more of, you know, an abnormality, you know? Yeah. You know, um, and, and with that, if this guy was parting these out, he wants to sell them as a package because he's a nutcase who thinks that they need to be a collection. Yeah. Which is another thing. Do you think that these need to stay together as a collection? No. No. That's ridiculous. But if he would part them out, would you pay 200 bucks for one? Um, If you got the itch? I'm not uh, talking about you right now in this moment. I'm talking like if you were like, if you were looking for one of these. I think I, I think, I think if I thought I had the time to make it like cool, maybe. What would you do to make it cool, Steve? I'm saying like to do the work to like do the fret, fret fixing and, and whatnot. Right. Because right. um, I might just leave it as is and just upgrade upgrade the pickups to like higher quality parts otherwise. Right. Um, so I, I, I think, feel like I would have been more into these if instead of a humbucker in the bridge, they had had a tele bridge pickup. Or like a dog ear P90. You throw a dog ear in this, I'd be all about it. Right. I think there's an, I think the humbucker, I think one of the things that was always interesting about the 51 is that they have the slanted, um, the neck pickup, neck pickup, but it's slanted in the direction that most people think is kind of counterintuitive because it's slanted in a way that makes the yeah. base side super heavy. Um, but maybe that's what worked for it. You know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I wish these had come out now so that I could do YouTube videos of them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you, you, I don't think YouTube was around when these came out. Could you imagine? I don't think it was. Like being able to cover these right out of the gate would have been a fantastic time. <laughs> Let's move on to our, uh, our next topic. Let's keep the That's show going. Topic. Oh, get, eating on stage. On our next topic is somebody wants to know about eating on stage. Yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, Pull it up and read it because I can't access it right now because I'm using all my screens for other oh, things. Oh, Ryan, I'm what's the point idiot. of having so many screens? I know, right? I'm using my phone to control the GoPro. Is this the one I took a picture of and sent to you? No, the other one was. <sighs> Let me see what I can do. No, I can find it. I just this is really good podcasting right the here. The best. Oh, you you found it good. Oh yeah, no, that's not true, but I'm all, I'm almost there. Oh, you're almost there. I mean, I knew how to get there. If a, oh, here we go. If a calzone is just a burrito, oh, it's no, no, just no, a no, pizza no. folded in half. No, we're not doing the calzone one. Keep going. Dude, I haven't had a calzone in a while. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, I kind of want a calzone. Have you ever been to that pizza place on Miramar Road, not far from you? I think it's called Polly's. Polly's. I have, but not there. Not I haven't had a calzone. Good calzones there, man. Go. All right. Go Acceptable foods and beverages to consume on stage. Oh, this is from Jim Bowers. Uh, Ramblin', Ramblin' Six String. Hmm. Uh, Jimmy Rambler, that's what it is. Jimmy Rambler. Uh, what acceptable foods and beverages to consume while on stage? Are there do's and don'ts between slash during songs? Ribs, wings, red vines, Doritos, box wine? <laughs> box wine. Nice. Uh, I thought this was fun, and we haven't had like a full like semi-off topic topic in a while. And it's not totally off topic because it's talking about like what do you think you could get away with eating on stage while playing? I'm not talking like, like someone has a solo and you step into the shadows and start snacking. I'm talking like you're playing. What do you go for, for a snack? And some of these, okay. some of these big, like touring acts, they play long shows, like four right. hour shows. Right. You got to have some kind of snack while you're doing. That. I think it all depends on whether or not you have a gimmick. Like it's got to be some kind of gimmick. You think so? Well, I, uh, so it depends. Like I think because you could, you could do anything as a gimmick. I'm not talking about gimmicks because no. then you could get into bands like the Donuts, where like they like eat Twinkies and blow powdered sugar on the audience during the show. Look it up on YouTube. These guys are incredible. Well, so, so what I mean by that is like I'm, I'm talking like like something that you could eat while on stage and get away with it without it being a gimmick. Okay, um, Red Vines is a yes. I think Red Vines is a yes, totally. Um, any licorice. I think anything that's saucy is just straight out. Yeah. Ribs, come on, man. What? Like, I mean, I guess if they're dry smoke, maybe. Um, but I think no, it'd be, it'd have to also, be kind no of, one wants to watch you eat ribs. It'd, be, it'd have to be the kind of rib where, like, it's so tender, you reach to the side, you've got a plate of ribs on top of your amp, the tubes are keeping them warm. That's what I'm talking about. You grab a rib. It's already cut for you. It's so tender. You put the whole rib in your mouth. 
you wrap your lips around it and the bone just comes out clean. That's you're the gonna only... get so much juice on your fingers though, dude. You gotta have ah, a dude. fat stack no. of naps. I mean, you, you get some wet wipes. You get that grease on your fingers and it lubricates your strings. I don't think that's how it works. Gets it all. Slippery. That explains a lot about how when I borrow a guitar from you, the first thing I do is replace the strings. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, ribs are a no no. Anything you're eating off the bone, I don't think so. Uh, or wings are a no. Yeah, unless you got unless they're boneless. Pizza wing. is are boneless wings really wings? No, they're nuggets. And then you just if you had a fork though, you could do that. Yeah, you could do nuggets. What about pizza? Pizza, I think it really depends on the pizza. If you're talking like a proper piece of pizza where like the cheese is stretching and dripping and there's like grease on top of it, no. You got to like, you got to have like your hand fully into like controlling that pie as it goes in your mouth. Uh, And you need that hand for playing. The kind of pizza you could eat on stage is like you get the big sheet pizza that's cut into squares. Remember when Little Caesars had the Bigfoot? Cutting the squares, you let oh, yeah. it, you let it get kind of cold. This is like back room, like like green room cold pizza that's been sitting out a while. You're playing, you grab a slice, you just shove it in your mouth, and you like pull it into your mouth while you're chewing it, so your hands are free to play. Like you could do that. Did I ever tell you about how I would eat pizza in the outfield while playing kickball like a year ago? A year ago, you were doing this adult kickball. That's incredible. That makes me want to play adult kickball and eat pizza at the same time. I would also drink seven beers during a kickball game. Oh my gosh. Dude. Not always. How would you still be on your feet and playing? That's Just incredible. a magical human being. <laughs> That's it. It's magic. Yeah. Magnets. <laughs> um, oh, don't listen to scientists. They're all liars anyways. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, I think any kind of like in your hand snack food. When I was thinking about gimmick foods, I was thinking about like, you know, if Blink-182 um, ate M&M's during their show like that makes yeah. sense Yeah, like you me, grab right? grab a fistful of like loose candy and you can shove it in your mouth and chew on it. Man, I could, if I'm playing a show, I could go like for a Like if Five Live. Iron Frenzy ate mayonnaise tacos during their shows. Oh, what the hell? Is that a thing? They had a sh- song called Mayonnaise Taco. Oh, that's foul. <laughs> Disgusting, dude. <laughs> I could see eating a, like a like a clean hot dog, not like a messy, heavy with toppings hot dog. But you've got a hot dog sitting on top of your amp. Once again, the tubes are keeping it warm, and when you have a few uh, uh, beats where you're not playing, you grab it, you take a bite, you put it back down. What kind of what kind of uh, you know like it sounds this stuff how, sounds how does like it, how weird. Does it, it's like it's no it's no thing for like some like band player to pick up a drink and take a swig right. During right. a song. Do you think it's easier to eat during a song or in between songs? In between songs, it's almost harder because there's things you have to be doing in between the song. Right. Like you got to be changing your effects. You're probably tuning in between songs. Like during a song, especially if it's a song where you know the parts and you know what's coming up and you can time yourself, it's probably even e- it's probably easier. Mm. Is what I'm saying. Like you know that there's a like a bass solo coming up, and you're gonna be like, yeah, I just barely lay back while a bassist does his thing. Right. Like that's snack time. That's solid snack time. The um, more I think about it, man, like Red Vines is has got to be like I think that's the, the top. best. I think that's the tops because you you just grab it real quick, you put it in your mouth, and you can kind of slowly put it into your mouth, like pull it into your mouth, like Lady in the Tramp style. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. It's going to look kind of fun. Like the audience is going to be into it. They're going to be like, I wish I had a red vine. Yeah. And plus you bite the other end off. You can use it as a straw for your drink. <laughs> yeah. I just now remember that. That's the thing that I used to do when I was a kid. And now I'm thinking, Oh my God. What hard liquor can I drink with a red vine and have it work? Vodka. Vodka and red vines would work. But uh. I'm also thinking like some kind of like, brown liquor that's i don't know man cheap but smooth you know like some sort of scotch or whiskey through a red vine it's got to be kind of good because you're doing i like think the, if you're gonna go brown liquor it's probably you're probably leaning more on the rum side yeah with rum would work rum and a red vine rum vines i think we just invented a new cocktail steve and it's all just <laughs> one hard liquor and a candy straw you know i've that's been i've cocktail. been i've been struggling to uh 
develop my contribution to the YouTube channel, but I think I just found it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Garbage cocktails. Yeah. Hey guys, this, uh, this is Steve with 60 Cycle Hub. Today I'm going to be eating red vines and drinking rum. <laughs> There's got to be some other food that would be super good. I think if you're going to go Mexican food, I mean, I made that video of the, the burrito holder, but that's a joke. There is no, I can't think of a single Mexican food that you could eat during a show. Rolled tacos. Uh, yeah, but I not the guess. kind that not the kind that are covered in guac and cheese and sour cream. They got to just be kind of clean. Just be clean, and you got to dip it. You got to dip it into whatever you want, and then that dip just all goes in your mouth. What is there any food that you can incorporate into your playing? Like you use it to pluck the string. Doritos. Doritos. You pluck the strings with Doritos. It doesn't get any more extreme than that. <laughs> you got to make those strings cheesier. <laughs> Get that dust everywhere. You want that cool tone? What about nothing's cooler than cooler ranch Doritos? What about sushi? Like you, if you're good with chopsticks, you grab that sushi real quick. You just throw a single piece in your mouth, and you're just straight chewing. I think you can only eat sushi during a show if if, if you're in a vapors cover band. Sure, sure, okay. <laughs> or a Yoko Ono cover Or you're man. Japanese. Or you're actually Japanese. Or you're just a big sushi fan because you like that sweet, sweet sushi. Do you think Playing Without a Pilot could do that? Since Brian Gower is a weeaboo? I guess. What's a weeaboo? It's complicated. Okay, let's not get into it if it's that complicated. <laughs> well, that was probably really mean. It was probably pretty bad. If I knew what it meant, I could tell you how bad it is. Um, All right. Well, I'm sure our listeners will Google it. I'm guessing that it's like mail. a like an, a mixed Asian sort of thing. No, it's it's a term for like white people who want to be Asian. Oh, okay. Well, you can you can talk about that because you're half Asian. That's true. I am. No, Brian's <laughs> just really into anime. Uh, yeah, Weeaboo is defined as a non-Japanese person who basically denounces their own culture and calls themselves Japanese. So that's that's not actually Brian. I just like to make right, right, right. I just like to make fun of him because he has a Korg Miku, and uh, he tells people that that's his tone secret. Oh my gosh! Uh, because and he collects anime pedals that have like anime on them. But I'm also just jealous because I still need to buy a Korg Miku. Didn't him or someone else offer to send us one when they're done with it, like to check out? I, I think someone messaged me that. I mean, recently. I could probably. Sorry, I can't remember yeah, who you are, I don't know. but I know you offered that, and I greatly appreciate it. All right, let's get into the next and last ad. Oh, you know, we want to talk about sponsors. Recap the sponsors, and then we'll hit the last they ad. They probably don't want us to recap them after this nightmare. I know, right? Let's we talk about Elton John playing piano with his dick. <laughs> you didn't. That's not what you said. You said with his dick. With his dick. dick. <laughs> You know he's done it. There's no way Elton John hasn't played piano with his dick. There's no way. Elton, if you're listening or if someone knows Elton John, come on. Let us know. I mean, hopefully Spencer Hyam is the only minor listening to this show. (laughs) I I watched that new uh, Kingsman movie. Yeah. Because the first one was so bad, I wanted to see if the new one I heard the first one was really good. Terrible. Was oh, it just it was like good in a bad way? Was it like it was just so bad it's good? It was douchey. It was so douchey. And the new one was douchey too. But more, I'd say the new one wasn't as offensively douchey. But Elton John is in the in the sequel in a really fun way. I'll say that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Does it involve the same premise as the end of the first one? No. Okay. Yeah. So you did watch the first one. No, you just heard I about just it? heard about it. I, yeah. I'm I'm that guy who knows all about pop culture without actually consuming right, right. pop culture. All right. Uh, anyway, thanks to our sponsors, uh, Sinusoid. Go check out the Tech Flex special. It comes out every Tuesday. I actually think it runs like until they run out. Uh, yeah. Guys, correct me if I got that wrong, but I know I looked at your site on like a Friday and I still saw it. Sure. So I don't know. I mean, their cables are great. They put together some really cool looks for the the TechFlux Tuesday. I'm a huge fan of TechFlux. Yeah. I ordered this mic cable that I'm using right now. Yeah, and you're touching it, and we're using dynamic mics, so everybody just heard that. Yeah, you can hear the TechFlux. 
That's all up in my headphones. Pretty good, huh? Pretty good. Uh, also, big thanks to Walrus Audio, makers of the Luminary version, too. They it's, make a lot of other cool stuff, it's too. It's so good. I've been a huge fan of everything Walrus has been coming out with for a while now. Uh, I can't say this for every pedal that I demo, but there's a pretty high probability that I have kept every single Walrus pedal that I've demoed in the last couple of years. Yeah. I'm going to say All right. that. Uh, uh, they, they just been banging in the mountain and making really great pedals. And I think they're doing an awesome job. And I think the luminary version two is a pretty great upgrade. And I feel like it's more playable for me with the, uh, the tremolo modulation mm-hmm. versus the, uh, vibrato modulation. Yeah. And a uh, big thanks to gun street wiring shop. Uh, they have been a big fan of us and, Ryan is a big fan of them, and I'm a big fan of them. Yeah. I really like what they do. And Maybe you should get a wiring harness put together. for uh, one of your basses or something. Yeah. Like that. Or, uh, or you're, probably, playing, you're playing guitar a lot now, aren't I you? I am playing guitar a lot. I probably... Actually, I need to... That's actually a really good idea. I need to talk to them because I think I need to replace all the wiring in my Telecaster because at least my volume pot, I know, is super scratchy. Mm. Um, the tone pot might be scratchy too like basically i can't roll the well, ball there, there's your uh there's your youtube content right there hit them up figure out what you need uh if you need some sort of tripod rig to get it your iphone I over have, the, i have a tripod but can it get over a guitar while you're wiring it uh I, I i don't know maybe okay well we'll figure something out and maybe we'll make that happen we just what I really need to do is I need to find like a day where I can work a half day and then just come over here and like a sure. day that we're already going to be recording. Sure, we'll have a wiring party and just uh, I'll come over here and spend half a day making videos and then we'll record. Sounds good to me, man. All right, uh, let's hit this last ad. Yeah, this last ad is uh, the Telebird from Ad Zant. Yeah, good old Michael Van Zant. Thanks for sending this in. He actually sent this in a while ago. And I just we- finished the beer, which means we can finish the episode. Is that what we were waiting for? Yeah, that's what we were waiting for. All right, I guess we're not going to talk about this. No, no, no. Let's talk about it. Uh, this is called Telebird. It's $500 in Elizabethtown. Who is who is Elizabeth and why does she get her own town? Yeah, when do I get my own town? Ryan Town. It'd not, be called Burkeville, duh. Uh, <laughs> nice Telebird with a made in USA 59 Warmoth reverse headstock Telecaster neck. USA Spurzel locking tuners. USA Gibson uh, mini humbucker in the neck. Um, Tele pickup in the bridge, all new electronics, and it's just been set up in plays and sounds and looks great. Also has a set of shower strap lock uh, buttons and custom bomber themed paint job. Cash is preferred, but would uh, trade for USA Telecaster neck. In my M Telecaster or a B Bender Telecaster. This guy really loves Telecaster so much that he made his Firebird into a Telecaster. <laughs> Partial trade for in my M. Te- Jeez, man. Okay, yeah, we you get just want it. Telecaster. We crap. get it. You want a Telecaster. So, um, I really think like the, what he's done with the paint job on this is a lot of fun. Um, I can't tell what the graphic on the front says. It says like miss something and it's a pinup girl on a bomb. Yeah. He's gone for a whole bomber theme and there's the, The, uh, the shark teeth, uh, or tiger face like bomber theme on the headstock, yeah, but, which actually kind of works. I'm kind of surprised how well it works with the reverse tele headstock. But actually I realized like that's what that's that's, Oh, it is tele. but that's what now the back of the body makes sense because the back of the body is just big gold letters. And it just says, thanks. It, like when he says big, Steve means it takes up the entire back of the body. Yeah. And, I'm this is this is how I feel about this guitar. I'm not a big fan of the front of the guitar. I want the back to the, be the front. Mm-hmm. I want that giant hand lettered thanks to just cover the entire front and people while I'm playing a show to just shout out, "You're welcome." <laughs> <laughs> like that is so cool to me. That giant thanks. I don't know if it's a reference to something, some sort of like bomber culture or something like no, that. No, I think that is specific. I think that is kind of like a bomber culture, like that a bomb would say like thanks on it or you're welcome or something because it was like a joke, like, ha, ah, here you go. Right, right. I just like it. I like the lettering. I like the art of the lettering way better than I like the art that's on the front of the guitar. 
And it's giving me ideas for my uh, my bullet Mustang project that I keep painting over with a, with the paint pens. I'd like to do some big messages on it and just writing thanks really big is a ton of fun in my opinion. I don't think I would have as much room to do it as this guitar has, but man, it just looks cool. I would totally have this on the front of a guitar and it even works with the red, white, and blue striping too. Yeah, actually I, we didn't, I didn't men mention the red, white, and blue off the bat. I don't know if you did, but I think that that's, you know, it, the whole theme now, when I first loaded this on, I just loaded it because I thought it was funny. Right. And I didn't actually read the description too closely past like, oh, Telebird. Okay, whatever. Um, and I picked out a couple pictures. But now it all kind of makes sense. And I definitely like, it's still goofy. Yeah. But okay, like what if what band do you need to be in to play this guitar? Like what, do you, what does your band need to be doing? Uh, classic rock, I guess. I was actually thinking. I was thinking like rockabilly. Rockabilly, I guess. But even though I mean, it's a Firebird, so it's a little off brand. I don't know, like that angle. The, the the front of the guitar, like it just screams dad rock to me. And it's just, nah. you know, like some dude who's got a, a like a model plane hobby, right? But the back of the guitar is just so quirky that. If that was on the front, anyone could be playing. I just wish it, it wasn't. It would be like an indie rock sort of thing. I just thing. wish it wasn't upside down. I guess it's not upside down if you flip your guitar over. Yeah. Like if you were to have the guitar facing, like flipping it towards the crowd. But I still guess that, I on. think that's what it's for. I think that's what you figured it out, Steve. Oh. So the guy is wearing it. And then when the audience applauds, he flips it over and it says, thanks. I think that's the purpose. This is this has suddenly become the best mannered instrument that we've ever talked about on this show. That's awesome. Oh, you're welcome. I'm totally into this guitar now. I want to write thanks in huge letters on the back of every guitar. Every guitar now. Oh my gosh. Or like instead of thanks, like what else could you write? Like you could write applause and have it be like an applause <laughs> sign. At your at your uh, at your church do people clap between the songs? Yeah. She's just thanks. Thanks. And there, then you're gonna get some nasty comment like, I wasn't applauding for you. I could because I stand kind of behind the worship leader and he wouldn't be able to see what I'm doing. Oh my gosh. I could flip it around and have like an applause sign there and and he would be like, Whoa, like people are really into that. <laughs> and it would be like my little secret with the audience. You know, the ones who can see that far. We have a Is, are your services filmed at all? They are. I don't know if they publish them. Mm. I don't know if that's for proprietary. Well, ugh, I mangled that word. Proprietary. That's oh, do you you don't posterity. Posterity. Uh, it's too late. It's you don't stream your live services, or do you? I'm not like, sure. Do a stream I a, live stream. I know that there's a camera back there, but they don't film. They don't film the the worship. I know. Oh, that. okay. I know that because of licensing. Alone. Yeah, yeah. You got to pay extra for that. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Let's call it a night. All right, this last, uh, oh, that we did the last ad. This song was sent to us by uh, Matthew Chittum. Uh, he says, just a random song. Chittum? I, I hardly know him. Why? Uh, this is just a random song I made. Feel free to use it. Free, feel free to use it if mix is okay. Yeah, like that's ever stopped yeah. us before. Oh, gosh, I don't. Uh, it, it could be just a wall of static for thirty minutes. I would literally still play it at the end of an episode. I don't know. At that length, I think maybe I do would it. Okay, I would do it. I call it Starry Night by the Sea. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'll just say if you want to send us thirty minutes of static, you should send it at the lowest audio resolution possible, so we won't be suspicious. Yeah, just make it bit tunes, you know. All right, later, guys. Bye. Don't encourage people to send you static. <laughs>